Are you ready, kids? I can't hear you. Welcome to Cinemaholics. This is a special bonus episode of the show where we're talking about a lot of things, actually. The main thing we're talking about is the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run, the third SpongeBob SquarePants movie. But we're also going to talk about the SpongeBob television show. We're also going to talk about Paramount Plus. And to do all of that, first of all, I am John Negroni. And with me, I have, as hopefully always, Will Ashton. Hello. And we have a special guest. He is the co-host of the Inane Ogre Till His Ogre podcast, and he's everybody's favorite barnacle head, Matt Serafini. Hello, happy to be here. Matt, how are you doing? It's been, I haven't talked to you since Scoob. Yeah, it's, I, we were in the 70s, I think. Yeah. But it's, it's been, it's been good, John. How have you been? I've been okay. Uh, you know, I am ready to talk SpongeBob with you because whenever I think about cartoons and I think about like my childhood, I do always wonder, well, what's Matt's take? Because that's like <laughs> your thing is, uh, you know, the Indian Ogre Tilt Ogre podcast. It's all about that stuff, right? Certainly. We are big uh, gluttons, gluttons for childhood movies. Uh, yeah, I don't, a glutton is quite a choice of word, but I don't think it's inaccurate. Um, yeah, <laughs> we do consume our fair share of uh, outdated and uh, move, uh, yeah, outdated movies that we probably shouldn't be revisiting as often as we do, let alone at all. So uh, I guess in that spirit, we will bring our nostalgia shenanigans to this SpongeBob conversation. Now I'm feeling bad we didn't invite Chris, uh, Chris Sheridan from N.A. Dogger Tilt Ogre. I feel like he probably would be great to have here as well. Yeah. Uh, but I think he'll understand. Also, if you guys ever do the SpongeBob SquarePants movie for a whole year, you know where to find me. Because um, unlike Will Ashton, I do recognize that it is a cinematic classic. Okay, yeah. It's one of my all-time faves. And I actually, I don't know if you heard, but I did pitch it for this year, but it was, yeah, was, that was denied. A, <laughs> that was a point of contention, uh, if, if that's even the word to use, in our season Ooh. four finale over Goodness, Zoom. Big scoop. On this yeah, one, a, okay. Well, that's not really scoop because we that was in our season four <laughs> it finale. It was in the episode. <laughs> uh, so it's always scoop if you're not a longtime listener of the show or even a partial listener in that you listen to that episode. So I did um, listen to that episode. I don't remember okay. this. Maybe I didn't finish. It was it. quick. Yeah, it was quick. Okay. All right. Well, the point is that all three of us have a lot to say when it comes to SpongeBob SquarePants. So let's let's get into it before we talk about the movie and all that. The show. The show has been running since 1999. It's been around for 22 years now, almost. And I'm somebody who watched the show first episode, right after the Kids' Choice Awards. And I definitely have a lot of fond, fond memories of the cartoon and my formative years. Will, you were once telling me that you believe SpongeBob SquarePants kind of has a lot of impact or a lot lot to do with the sense of humor of millennials, uh, particularly millennials around our age, if you want to get into that. Yeah, I mean, millennials and Gen Z, uh, yeah, Gen Z, I feel like, and even to an extent, Gen X, or at least late Gen X, it does kind of feel like there is that, that kind of cultural milestone of it coming around at this time where, you know, especially at the onset of the 21st century, it did influence our comedic sensibilities. I compared it to something like National Lampoon, where it just, you know, like now we see all these memes and all these references and all these things, it's just like that kind of cultural pinpoint that that connects, uh, I guess, three different generations together in, a, in an odd sort of way, which, you know, is also kind of endearing. But considering how much uh, Nickelodeon has capitalized on that, there's also kind of a, a bitterness to that in recent years. But we can talk about that more when we discuss the film. On that note, what about The Simpsons? I mentioned in my review of Sponge on the Run for Cultured Vultures that I think The Simpsons shares a lot of common DNA to exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, that's a fair comparison. I, I think I'm thinking more like late millennials to Gen Z because I just don't think that The Simpsons has that for that generation as much. But For Gen X, not, you mean? Because I guess Simpsons... No, for is- Gen Z. Yeah, so... So no no what I'm saying is that like I think Simpsons is kind of more of that for like Gen X and then millennials. And oh then, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then for like millennials and Gen Z there's like SpongeBob. Matt, do you fall into this camp? You know, we've never really talked about SpongeBob surprisingly. Um yeah. you'd think it would come up all the time. <laughs> uh yeah, I think I, I I agree with Will uh that it's like 
it's it's like I would actually say SpongeBob is like our generation's Mickey Mouse, probably. Uh, just because high praise. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hey, Nickelodeon's never going to stop selling SpongeBob merchandise. I mean, as much <laughs> as I love, uh, Mickey Mouse, I think SpongeBob is actually a little bit funnier than Mickey Mouse is well, generally. Prob- well, the, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, classics, it's hard yeah, to argue. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about different, you know, generations. I mean, is Mickey Mouse supposed to be a funny cartoon anymore? I mean, he was not anymore. Now yeah. it's more branding. Well, there was a, that recent cartoon, right? That was like kind of funny. I haven't get a horse. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, not really that one. I meant the the one on Disney Channel. I didn't really it's watch. It's like a two D. Oh, Mickey Mouse. One. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. the Mickey Mouse shorts. They're excellent. Super weird, but like yeah, very weird. Closer to Ren and Stimpy than anything Mickey Mouse. Yeah, there's a before. great there's a great um one where not to go down the Mickey Mouse hole, but it's like uh you know they do the, the classic trope of like journey into this person's body. And um, Mickey and Goofy get shrunken down and go inside of Donald's body. And it's uh, very silly and very weird. <laughs> well, you just said it right there. Like Mickey, Goofy, Donald. I mean, that's yeah, our it's classic. SpongeBob, Squidward, Patrick. Yep. Right. So it's it's a very classic dynamic. But uh, yeah, I think it, it shaped a lot of our sense of humor, as I think is mm-hmm. the case. Where, where do you guys think the quality for SpongeBob officially dipped? For me, it's like the first several years, all, it's everything up until the movie. And then after the movie, there was like a hiatus for SpongeBob. There were no new yep. SpongeBob episodes for a while, except mm-hmm. for like unreleased stuff that they released later, like after the movie, but they made it before the movie. But then for me, it completely changed and I stopped watching it completely at that point. I was also like 15. So of course I stopped <laughs> watching it still. Uh, I kept going a little bit after the movie because I was I was in fourth grade when the movie came out. So I would have been like 10. Um, and I... Remember, I like watch. I, I continue to watch regularly and watch the new episodes for a few years after that. But I remember like noticing that they weren't as good, and at, at a certain point, I did stop watching. Um, but from what I understand, well, not to like jump well, but I think Steven Hillenburg came back after the second movie, and he did. From what I heard, the new episodes of SpongeBob are actually pretty good. So that's something. We should say uh, Stephen Hillenburg passed away in 2018, so he did have some creative development with Sponge Out of Water, which came out in 2015, and this movie, which they were they had been working on after that. So Hillenburg did he officially departed SpongeBob after the movie. He famously said that he was hoping that the movie would be the series finale. Personally, I wish that that had been the case. For me, I totally stopped watching. And the main reason was because I was just too old at that point. Like SpongeBob, the the movie came out when I was 13 and I was already feeling kind of weird in that movie theater with one of my buddies. And we were like, we're too old for this, right? And he's like, I don't care. I'm laughing my you know what off, except we said the word because we were 13. Um, But yeah, that's just my experience. Yeah, I mean, I just remember the movie kind of being like the beginning of the end. Like I said, I didn't I didn't have the same nostalgia for the first movie as you did and a lot of other people did. So that might have painted my perception of it, but I do remember. Yeah. Cause you said there was a gap. So I don't really remember watching much after that. And then if I, when they brought it back, I wasn't really of age where it felt appropriate to watch it. And I also didn't have Nickelodeon then. So <laughs> I didn't really have that lot of access to it, but when I would check it out like that, like, I don't know, like I want to say like, you know, 2010 or whatever period when I would see like half an episode or something, I just felt like, yeah, this isn't the same, you know, part of it's because I'm older, but it's also just like the writing isn't quite as concrete. You could just kind of tell that wasn't the same show. And, you know, you know, that's kind of like the same with like the Simpsons, like we brought up before, like, you know, like there's still the same characters, the same voice actors, all that stuff, but just, it just doesn't have that same quality. It doesn't feel quite as precise in the way that like those early Simpson episodes, you can tell like every joke was like, you know, they just focus so intently on getting it right, getting the timing of it right. And that's the same with the early episodes of SpongeBob. Like everything is so precisely made. And then later episodes, you know, there are a couple of good jokes here and there from what I saw, but it, it just by and large just felt like a more, I guess, capitalistic endeavor, which, you know, happens when Nickelodeon is putting all their stakes into making that like their brand, basically. But at the same time, it just kind of feels uh, more like a shallow effort at that point. And for me, at least, it just didn't really feel as rewarding to watch the newer episodes. So by that point, I was out. Yeah, I think I watched some of the newer episodes, ironically, just because I was a little bit curious, but it was one of those things where I was over it. So I, you know, wasn't receptive to the show at that point. I Although I will say I did 
uh, play Battle for Bikini Bottom. I think that was before the movie came Amazing out. Amazing game. That one of the best video games of the Did PS2. Did you play the remaster era. last year? I have it downloaded and Dude, I have play it. I've they been wanting it. to yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard amazing I've heard that it just it holds up. And, and the beauty of that game was that it almost every single SpongeBob joke and piece of lore was like capitalized in that video game, which is just something you don't usually get from licensed games, right? At least done in a way that that is that epic. Right? Yeah, I I think that that game is actually regarded to be one of the best licensed games like of that era. Right. Yeah. It's like before Arkham Asylum, there was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I was definitely like when I when I watched the uh, the newer episodes, I, I remember them. There were like there was one where like Mr. Krabs builds like a hotel or something. And there there was one where sponge they have like a vending machine or, or no, like Krusty Towers, thing. Skill Crane. Yeah, those episodes. And I don't know why I know the names of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you didn't have to get them perfectly right. You could have you could have just added a, a flub in there on purpose. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, like I remember what I hated about those episodes and I was like, because I wanted to enjoy the show like unironically too, but I, I, I just found them to have such a lack of timing. I think, yeah, Will, you said timing was so key in like the difference in quality of the Simpsons. I can't speak to that, but with SpongeBob, it's all about the comedic timing. After I watched Sponge on the Run, I saw that Paramount Plus also has the early episodes of SpongeBob. So I watched the second episode because I never I watched the pilot so many times that it like burns my eyes out. So I watched uh, Ripped Pants and Blowing Bubbles. Uh, I was going to do a My Eyes reference, but you you sped right through it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. maybe later you could do My Leg. Um, But no, I, I was watching those episodes and I forgot actually how patient the comedy is in both of those episodes, particularly the blowing bubbles one. Like there is just time spent to Patrick blowing into the stick and it's, it goes for like 20 seconds or something, which in the newer episodes, at least the ones I've seen that apparently aren't, you know, apparently it's gotten a little bit better, but those ones are just like rapid fire. Like they like picked up the pace of it. SpongeBob's voice is a lot higher. Everything is like picked up an octave. And that's yeah, a different show off- now. Yeah. And it, it looks too good too. <laughs> like it's, I don't know. There's something charming about like the rustic quality of those early episodes. Even well, season though, yeah, one is hand drawn is like ink on animation cells starting in season two. They switched to digital, which was also okay. But yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. was going to say there's something about the quality of like the early, early episodes of SpongeBob that kind of feel like, like a college student's like art projects, like kind of weird abstract <laughs> thing that yeah. is also happens to be family friendly, but it has like these like obscure references and like kind of odd comedic beats and just like just weird tangents where it'll just kind of fo- follow its own rhythm and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's really charming. Like I said, I think that influenced a age of comedy that we're seeing a lot, especially with like the YouTube era or like now like the TikTok era that that I mean, I think that's where the influence of SpongeBob is really starting to come alive, especially like I said, also in like this meme culture now, like we're kind of seeing the influence of that for that reason but yeah i mean i I can't speak to new episodes as much but they just from what i've seen don't have that quality or that spark and you know that's the way it is right there's something timeless about the comedy in those seasons and i remember i don't know how your college years went either of you but spongebob was something we would watch while obviously under several influences because it was that type of humor that was so funny and so ironic but also wholesome and sweet that you could watch it like scarfing down taco bell at like 4 a.m you know on a school it's the night. best it's yeah. the best <laughs> um I, I yeah I, I feel like i could still like pour into those episodes so i, th- I hopefully that's enough backdrop into the spongebob kind of film franchise and how we've sort of kept up with everything i, I kind of said earlier i really really love the first movie it sounds like matt it's one of, you said you'd see one of your all-time faves i yeah i would count it in my top five probably i don't blame you i mean I, I watched that in theaters twice i think it's a hysterical movie and it's a sweet movie uh for some reason will ashton has a personal vendetta against that movie it has nothing to do with the quality yeah, of the film it's just I don't think yeah it's, it's political it's not even political uh no i just i i, I think I can see the appeal of it. I, I think, like I said, I was kind of getting out of SpongeBob when it came out, so I wasn't. 
I don't know. I guess I was wasn't of the point in my life where it was really doing the same thing for me. I, I rewatched the film. I rewatched all three films. Or I, sorry, I rewatched the first two films before I watched this new one. And uh, I still have my issues with it. I still think that the comedy is kind of hit and miss. and The story is a bit patchy, but I can definitely see, especially coming off of the second film and this new one, the appeal of it. And I can definitely see how it's a more faithful SpongeBob movie than I initially gave it credit. So I can see the the charm of it for sure. I, I wish I was as uh, affectionately positive on it as you two are, especially Matt. But yeah, I just I, I still maintain the belief that SpongeBob was 15 minutes in its narratives for a reason. And uh, that opinion, unfortunately, has not changed after watching these films. That's OK, because we can use that negativity. Let's direct it towards Sponge Out of Water, which I will say is awful, just completely awful. I hated that film and I thought that it was a total, like just a total swing and a miss for the character. And I hated how they marketed it. They made it look like this thing where most of it was going to take place out on the surface. And that was not the case. Like most of the film was this really minor B plot involving SpongeBob and Plankton that really just belonged on the show and didn't have a lot of purpose. And then it just completely pivots into this meandering adventure on the surface for a few minutes. And that's it. And I just felt like cheated. I felt like I watched. I, it was a complete waste of my time. But uh, Matt, are are you kinder to it? I don't know if I if that's just me or what. I am a little kinder to it, but I I do I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, I actually talked to Will a little bit about this, but I I kind of liken the first two SpongeBob movies uh, to South Park's movie and then an anim- Imagination Land. I don't know. Are you familiar with those? Yes. Okay. The gist of what I mean, though, is that like the first SpongeBob movie is like the ultimate SpongeBob movie story. You can't. It's like Plankton finally succeeds, and SpongeBob has to prove that like being a kid is worth it, basically. Uh, and then the second movie to me feels more like nine episodes of the series in succession that all right. carry continuity into one another. I don't necessarily view that as a bad thing. It's just not as much of a movie thing. Um, and though I do think that movie boasts some very good animation credit where it's due, uh, but it's it's definitely weaker than the first movie. That's not an exaggeration or any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you, you saw it more recently than us, though, Will. Um, or rewatched. Oh, I, re- I rewatched it a couple weeks yeah. ago, too, for the record. <laughs> yeah, but will you, didn't you say you saw it like this past week? Yeah, uh, I watched it yeah. on Thursday. Oh, uh, Will watched oh, okay, it today. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a competition, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I watched it today. No, um, yeah, I, I rewatched, like I said, the first two films in preparation for this podcast because I, I, I remember, yeah, I saw the second movie with Matt. We saw it together when we were both in college. It was like towards the end of my college right. time, and uh, I didn't really remember it too well. That's the main reason I decided to rewatch it, because I remember feeling similar to you, John. Like, I, I just remember feeling it wasn't quite right. Like, it didn't really feel like the SpongeBob I knew, but I didn't exactly remember why I disliked it. I just remember, like, vague points of the film, primarily, like you said, the end stuff when they were out of water. So I rewatched it, and the main thing that stuck out to me is that it's a really weird movie. Like it, it, like if you were to describe it, like if we were to spend time to actually describe the plot of the second movie, it's just utterly bonkers. But at the same time, it's also like super forgettable. And it's just this weird kind of mishmash where it's like totally, it's just really going off the wall and just doing everything at once. And like none of it really makes sense continuity wise or even like in its own internal movie logic. But at the same time, it's not super memorable and impressionable in a way that like that, that first movie, even though I've only seen it once, I actually remembered it surprisingly really well. And I was I, I think that's to go to, like I said, it being a pretty impressionable movie, being true to the characters, being uh, true to the iconography of the show to the point where I can associate it easily with the earlier episodes for its credit. But, yeah, that that new movie just kind of felt like a like fan fiction millennial kind of take on the material, even though some of the original creators were actually involved with it. Right. Yeah, I remember my my big issues with it were that. The trailer, first of all, showed almost all the live action stuff. So like when the live yeah. action stuff happens in the movie, like I at the time, especially like I I was like, I've already seen every gag that they're showing me because there's so little of it that the trailers already did all of it. So the only new stuff you really get is the 2D stuff that happens with SpongeBob and Plankton, which to me felt very 
you know, just unimportant. There wasn't a lot of urgency because it didn't feel like it really contributed much to the plot for me. And I'm, this is a memory of a film I saw six years ago. So you obviously you two would have a better uh, memory of it than I would, but yeah, that's just how I recall it. I just recall it being almost incoherent and a lot of just like, a story was like, we got to go do this and we got to go do that. And, you know, the time travel or something, I don't even remember. It, it was just very odd. It does have one part that I have to fully condemn. Uh, I really, really hate it. And every oh, time I watch the movie, it makes yeah. me really mad because <laughs> I've I've seen that movie about three times now. Um, and every time it's that they decided for some ungodly reason <laughs> to include a rap battle uh, at the end of the movie as like a tag involving this dolphin character named Bubbles, um, who they, it's in the middle of a performance of the SpongeBob theme song, which we can all agree is a fantastic song. And yeah, uh, no edit. They, <laughs> they, yeah. they, um, they decide to just start having a rap battle about no, well, what's it even about? It's 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 awful. I hate it so much, and I it, I think it uh, causes the movie to lose a whole letter grade. Yeah, you, honestly, you just get blind with fury, and you just don't even know what's happening until the credits <laughs> start up again. Um, yeah, no, it's like some weird like. Well, I think otherwise, Bubbles is a really inspired and fun character, and if it weren't I love that Bubbles, scene, I think Bubbles. I would, yeah, <laughs> I think if isn't, it weren't for that, isn't Bubbles yeah. voiced by uh, Matt Berry? Yeah, which is yep, confusing. Same guy who voices yeah. the villain of the new right. movie. <laughs> yeah. And animated in the same style, fun fact. Yeah, which is uh, very confusing, especially because these movies have the same title as well, for the most part, with the exception of the subtitle. So um, that's also confusing. But yeah, it's basically he's just like arguing for like his existence, I think. Like he's just kind of like, like they're singing the theme song and then he's just like, well, I'm here too and I want to have my say in it. And then the... Yeah, he tells them their song sucks or right. whatever. It's ugh. And then the seagulls are like, leave us alone, we're rapping. And then he's like, okay, sorry, might be. <laughs> and that's like about it. Yeah. I, I do remember people would say that they actually liked that this whole thing or they because it was so wtf but yeah it was not in that camp whatsoever i just thought it was uh i don't know what i thought I, it was a fever dream it felt like but anyway so real quick we've talked about the video game we've talked about the movies the tv show but there is one last spongebob thing and i'm very curious if either of you are aware of it and I should say, there's a lot of other SpongeBob things, but there's one more that I want to bring up. Um, did either of you ever do the 4D amusement park ride? I have. Okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> I And I actually, I saw it first on YouTube, but then at some point uh, a couple years ago, I actually got to experience it in a theater and uh, it's fun. Matt, why don't you describe it for the kids at home, including Martin? <laughs> It's been a while, but uh, <laughs> the gist of it is it's a, you know, it's a 40 theater experience. It's, it's in it like something like five to 10 minutes long, John. Does that sound right? I, uh, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Like in well, between there. It's an amusement park ride attraction, right? Yeah. So it'd be right. weird if it yeah. was like 20 minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. the biggest, the biggest thing I always remember about it is at the beginning of it, uh, you see the, you know, Painty the Pirate. And he asks, are you ready, kids? And, you know, the audience says, aye, aye, Captain. And he said, and then instead of just saying, I can't hear you, he suddenly leans out of the painting <laughs> and goes, I can't hear you. And it's really truly, weird. And truly, then <laughs> I, I saw the 4D thing, like, probably 12 times. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, it he always then, freaked me out. Always. He, he, like, his full, his arms come out of the frame <laughs> and then he throws the audience into the water and goes, in you go. Um, and then I believe the storyline is just something where there's like some pickles that go, that hop away. Yeah. And so SpongeBob is trying to track down the pickles. He has to get he, it from Patrick, but Patrick yeah. wants to eat it. And then I think it gets to the point where like humanity is almost destroyed. Yeah. I think Patrick at one point is a robot controlled by Plankton. Right. And they go to rock bottom. It's just, you know, it's a 40 romp through Bikini Bottom. It's fun. It's cute. It's better than the Shrek one, I, yes. I will say. More memorable. How um, dare yes. you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. it's It's got a little bit more, you know. They, they, they closed it at Universal for a reason. <laughs> did yeah. they really? I did not know that. It's, it's, a, it's a Kung Fu Panda thing now. It's the DreamWorks Theater. Okay. Well, <laughs> it had its time. I guess that's fair. <laughs> it's, it's time in the sun. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but anyway, that that's all of SpongeBob. I think we have, you know, the time to talk about. But now it's time to talk about Sponge on the Run, which is now on Paramount Plus, the the big new streaming service, the new kid in town. And I, I checked out the streaming service. It's it's fine, I guess. I'm still kind of figuring out the whole thing with it. Um, Matt, you were kind of talk, telling us off the air, though. Uh, you, you saw this on Paramount Plus as well? Yeah. Um, I haven't really had the chance to dive too much into Paramount Plus itself. Oh, dive, uh, you say? Ah, ha, ha. That, that works because uh, this is a nautical thing. Right, right. Uh, mainly because uh, they did not... They still don't have an app for gaming consoles, I don't believe. Uh, oh, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, my my roommate and I last week were trying. We checked every day, and it never showed up. Um, so much for CBS All Access. <laughs> uh, but in any well, case, yeah, because well, it's they, replacing CBS, right? With CBS not on like PS4 well, or any of that stuff. Okay, it might be on the previous generation, but I just got a PS5. And so I didn't have it on there. And so I didn't have gotcha. access, but, but, uh, so I didn't really get to browse the library too much, but, uh, the, the, in terms of how the, like streaming itself went, uh, the quality got bad a couple times, but it wasn't too bad. Oh, really? I guess. How so? Like the quality, like the buffering or. Yeah. It would just occasionally like the quality would dip. Uh, the movie never stopped for me though. Uh, oh, it okay. played all the way through, but it, it was a it roller coaster ride from beginning to end. <laughs> so, it occasionally yeah, that got was a little 4D, blurry right? <laughs> the 4d was like also like your tears coming down your face and right then, uh, yes <laughs> yeah you're like alex from uh clockwork orange like your eyes are just glued to the screen you can't take your eyes off <laughs> i just looked it up matt and it looks like yes it is you can watch it on ps4 but there's no word yet on when it will come to ps5 so um yeah so that means it's probably available on like the current or the last gen for xbox as well i'm assuming but, yeah, I would imagine. I think I had the CBS All Access app on my Xbox One, so that tracks. Uh, Will, have you checked out Paramount Plus yet? Have you have you looked poked around the service? Other than like Matt said, I, I watched the movie on Paramount Plus. I borrowed the account of a friend, so I was able to check it out that way. And uh, Matt, other than that's watching code for movie, BitTorrent, in case you're no, that's not that's not the case. Just uh, <laughs> Will doesn't know how to use BitTorrent. <laughs> yeah, no, how dare you? Um, but. No, I mean, I, I only watched the movie on it, so I can't speak for the other content on the service. But um, I, I'll say my viewing experience was fine. Similar to Matt, I, I noticed that when, like, when I paused the movie, for whatever reason, like the screen gets really small and like a huge Paramount logo comes up on the screen. I don't know why that is. It's like trying to remind you that huh. you're on Paramount Plus. And then if you press play, it gets like really fuzzy or like bad quality. And then like is this on your normal. laptop? Yeah, this is on my laptop. So it wasn't like that on iPad. Weird. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I can only speak to my experience, um, but I also have a fairly outdated computer, so I don't know if that, that is part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, the experience was fine. I didn't have any complaints or anything, but I thought that was kind of a weird touch. I do have bad news, bad news for those of you who are hard of hearing, like myself, and you rely on closed captions. This service is a lot like Peacock in the sense where captions are kind of hit or miss. Sometimes they sync up, sometimes they just don't so that is one one downside otherwise it just seems like any other streaming service not much to speak of there but this is notable for the fact that this new spongebob movie which was supposed to be a big summertime film right i think they were going to release it actually in like um when, when was the original release date july actually? was it, it was july? july of last year yeah i was thinking august but i think that was canada yeah maybe um but yeah it was supposed to come out last year that is the point. And it, it, I think it did come out digitally um, in, on Netflix in some territories. So people were watching this as early as like November of last year. Yeah, pretty much everywhere except the North America, I think, had it in November. On yeah, it works. Yeah. That does, does make, that does make sense because Canada did have it in theaters at one point. Yeah. Because I remember um, like I think in like September, October or something, it was like in the top five of the box office. And I was like, oh, is that out? Yeah. And then I kept looking up. It was like, oh, wait, no, that that's just in Canada for whatever reason. Um, so, right. yeah, that, the release of this was really confusing. Like, we're technically late t covering this, but at the same time, we're not because this just came out. But, yeah, I don't know if that impacted the release or anything in terms of like. Are we going to get into a whole Paddington debate about this, I guess? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not even talking like the year of it. I'm talking like. No, in terms I know. Of, like, but you like, could theoretically. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's a 2021 film, but I'm guessing that means that you think it's a 2020 film. 
No, I'd actually agree with you on this one because it was made in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Matt and I have a huge debate about whether or not the first Paddington film was, um, were the years that that came out? Um, 2015 and 2018. Yes. Uh, well, no, I, I think it's, uh, cause that came out January of 2016, yeah. Uh, or no, wait, no, I'm sorry. It was uh January twenty fifteen. F- so it was fourteen yeah. and fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So I consider it a twenty fifteen film, but Matt that's when I saw it, yeah. Yeah. So Matt considers it a twenty fourteen film because that's when it came out in the UK. Oh, because like, fancy pantsy Matt went across yeah. the pond to watch right, it. Exactly. In yeah. December. Oh, it's because it was made by a UK production company. This is simple. <laughs> no, that's, Matt, I'm sorry. Who, I distrib- who yeah. distributed it? Who distributed it? In the UK or in the US? At both I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. This is so Warner. exciting for me because <laughs> is John going to take your side on this? Am I? Gonna, like it. Am I about to get dunked on? Well, let's let's look at it. Let's look at. It. We're you know everyone's keeping an open mind. That's I'm opening up Wikipedia. Okay, so this was produced by you're right, Studio Cal UK. It was distributed by Studio Canal, which mm-hmm. is British, a British company. So yes. so far, it's leaning toward you, Matt. Awesome. Because if it's distributed by them here in the States as well, then I think that counts it as a 2014 film. But hold on. Okay. Don't, don't, don't do your, your dance yet. I'm not. I'm not. The listeners oh. are in deep suspense about this, especially <laughs> coming into this for a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> <laughs> the SEO was not favorable. To, um, okay. Paddington. U.S. distributor. Let's just settle this. Let's just settle. because I want to say it's like Lionsgate or something. That's I feel like I'm wrong about that. I think Warner Brothers are the second one because of the Weinstein thing. That actually would make sense because I'm seeing Weinstein Company under yeah. distributors. Yeah, I believe they released it in the U.S. because this was 2015, like we mentioned. So this would be prior to the New Yorker article. That, Uh-oh. You know, so I'm seeing something about the distributor being changed. Uh-oh. Wasn't that the second one? I'm still in the first one. Hmm. Keeping it. Okay. So it says right here, after the film's distributor challenged the certification, blah, blah, blah. Um, Oh, wait, no, that's the rating. Hold on. I'm looking at the wrong thing. There was a rating dispute for Paddington? Yeah. What? (laughs) Mild (laughs) sex references with innuendo. Sorry, I read it wrong. I thought it was saying distributor change. It said distributor challenged. So. Yeah. Release the R-rated cut of Paddington. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm gonna look on Box Office Mojo because that's that's how we're gonna settle this. And we're, again, just Paddington, not the, not Paddington yeah. too. I can't believe after all these years we're gonna finally end this yeah. debate. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> Distributor is Dimension Films. Yeah, but okay. they didn't produce it. That's okay. So SpongeBob just... movie Sponge on the Run <laughs> is a 2021 film produced by paramount <laughs> dimension is uh a weinstein obviously but uh yeah it's new york based so yeah it was distributed in the u.s by the u.s which means it is a 2015 movie agree oh, yeah. disagree well we we tried john <laughs> it's okay he'll come around he'll tell us I later it's like well hold on they shot star wars in the uk so that makes it a uk movie no, because it was produced by Disney, which is an American <laughs> company. Again, it's the production company that I'm worried about. I feel like production companies, like, like they're all over the world. Like, okay, Studio Studio Ghibli or what? One of the Korean hand drawn ones does the stuff for Avatar. Does mm-hmm. that mean that because no, the third because season of Avatar came out in Canada first, it's a Canadian show? No, it, uh, I haven't watched Avatar, so I can't speak to that. Oh, now I know what the real problem is. Truly. Yeah. I can judge because I've seen the pilot now of Avatar, <laughs> The Last Airbender. <laughs> I guess I guess that means by default, Will Ashton wins the argument. Fair enough. Oh, jeez. I don't know. I, I'm of the opinion that if, if we were in the UK, if I was a UK resident, that I would mm-hmm. consider a 2014 film because I am American sure. and I saw it in America during its American release, then it is a 2015 film. I think Which that I've, tracks. Yeah, and I've said that that's a reasonable take. I just disagree with it. It's it, like I'm not saying that you're wrong. I I think you're right for you. Yeah. For me, I think both I can be right, right? Because yeah. I just watched that new movie, The Last Right, which came out in Ireland two years ago. But it's not mm-hmm. not a 2019 film. There's no way I could watch it legally unless I like traveled across the world. And so to me, it's a 2021 film. Oh yeah, there you go. 
Now, I know we're supposed to talk about Sponge on the Run, but we do also have to talk about how festival stuff gets into this. So we have about four hours to discuss this. So, <laughs> right. nah. All right, let's let's move on. Um, so, SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Um, as we've already said, it was supposed to come out last year. It was directed by Tim Hill. He actually used to be a writer for the series. He's been known for quite a while as a not only a director and screenwriter, but also an animator. Uh, been you know associated with SpongeBob brand for a long time. He co-wrote the story with Jonathan Robert Ivel, and uh, I, I think also um, Glenn Berger. Berger. And they they wrote uh, the Kung Fu Panda movies, I think. Uh, they did the last SpongeBob movie. They did both Trolls movies, I want to say. So you know they're they're pretty well known for like taking traditional two D animation with like these CG hybrids and doing a lot of stuff with that through story. And that is definitely the case for Sponge on the Run, which brings a lot of the classic characters into kind of a new version of Bikini Bottom. We'll get into it, but also kind of a new canon for this show that is very different and kind of relates to the business strategy for SpongeBob moving forward, how it relates to a spinoff series that launched the same day that I don't think that they were really planning to co-release with this, but they had to put it out eventually. And so here we are. Will, why don't you take us into the story of the SpongeBob movie, SpongeBob on the Run? What is this one all about? Sure. Well, the start of it is pretty similar to your traditional SpongeBob movie in that we follow SpongeBob and his loyal, uh, com- or I guess co-workers at the Krusty or the Krabby Patty or no, wait, what is it? The, the Krusty Krab. Yeah, the Krusty Krab. Excuse me. You, you insult <laughs> no, this me. This is Patrick. Uh, anyway, uh, once again, Plankton is trying to steal the formula, and uh, in doing so, he uh, basically kind of similar to the plot of the first film. He, uh, you know, gets uh, King Poseidon aware of uh the last snail being uh gary um and then so basically they have gary taken away to atlantic city and spongebob and patrick go on a quest to save gary and then doing so the uh town of bikini bottom kind of similar to the second film goes to kerput with uh no crabby patties restoring and replenishing the oceanside city and the that's kind of the loose plot of it, but a lot of uh, hijinks and shenanigans ensue from there. Yeah, when I was reviewing the film, I kind of noted that the story is kind of art. It's like a remix of some existing SpongeBob stories. They kind of take the Where's Gary episode where Gary is missing. And then they kind of mix that with the first SpongeBob movie down to like, it's all like a plot by Plankton. It, it even recycles like King Neptune into King Poseidon you know, just kind of switching around the mythology there. And just, they also have like the animation style from the second film, sort of. Although this one felt a little bit more, almost stop motion kind of aesthetic yeah. to it. It's a lot less smooth, but in a good way. It's it's simultaneously 2D hand-drawn stop motion and CGI. And it's actually, I think the strongest point of this movie is the animation of it. I'd have to agree. I I thought that the texture on it was just right. Like they they really put a lot of work into the detail of the character designs here to the point where it actually made it felt cinematic because I felt like I was looking at it, these characters in a different, more high quality way down to like Sandy's suit has smudges and it looks lived in. And it made me feel like this is a grander vision of the SpongeBob cartoon. So, yeah, that totally works in that sense. But uh, Matt, why don't you walk us through what you actually thought of the movie beyond the animation? Uh, what did you like? What did you dislike? What's 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 the story on this one? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I like I said, well, so just to say one more thing about the animation, one thing about it that I kind of liked is, and I don't know whether this was their intention or not, but it was my read of it. You know how in SpongeBob, like classic SpongeBob, there will be cuts to like a close up of something and it's actually a painting um, as opposed to, you know, like a hand drawn cell. It'll be a painting of, you know, a highly textured version of whatever they were showing before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they did. Like for some of the gags, you mean? Like yes, exactly. SpongeBob's like, face would be like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Hyper to me, detailed. this felt like they were trying to like, they like wanted to make the whole movie in that style or like even in just the background paintings, like it's just a more detailed stuff, but it looks, it looks fantastic. Really. Um, I am still, I've watched this movie twice now and I still don't really know where I stand on it. Um, I think it's good enough. 
Um, I think it's sweet, and it's definitely better than the second one on on rewatch, which originally uh, last week after watching this for the first time, I thought this was the weakest one. But when I watched it again last night, I was a little warmer on it. Um, it really. Uh, <sighs> I wrote down a couple notes. Let me let yeah, me talk talk <laughs> talk through it, tweet through it. You know, like <laughs> it's. A, I understand how you're feeling a little bit because I was pretty conflicted watching this myself because mm-hmm. there were things I really liked. There were times that rang of the stuff I used to love about SpongeBob. There yes. were actually jokes in here that were hilarious. Yes, I, I think it actually weirdly captures like the spirit of classic SpongeBob in a way. Uh, a few times at least, like especially, I think Plankton is really well animated because um, they get re- he he basically is hand drawn and they like they really exaggerate his poses and you know the I will rule the world the giant eye and it, 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 it's it's very goofy and very exaggerated. I think that's where it is strong. Uh, I this movie about halfway through. I don't know if we are we doing spoilers. <laughs> are there spoilers for a SpongeBob movie? Let's keep the spoiler talk away for now. We, okay, we can we can bring some stuff up later. But yeah, we as we're still kind of feeling out our general yes. thoughts in case people are they're not sure if they want to watch this. Yet. Yes, I'll just say the second act gets very weird, and it's something that I was into because I like I applaud big swings like that. <laughs> it was just it's just very weird. Um I'm of a different mind. I think that it it that is the part where the I the film loses me completely. So that's interesting. Sure. Sure. Like I I it I, I don't know. Like I said <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of lost on it. But um Yeah. I think that the fact that we have a sequence where SpongeBob and Patrick sing Live in La Vida Loca makes this movie worth it. <laughs> Wait, I actually I want to be clear about something because when you say the second, you mean the second half of the movie or the second act? Um, I meant the second act. Oh, okay. Then we're in agreement. We're in agreement. Oh, okay. Uh, so cool. the stuff that happens like in the middle of the movie, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's to me is where this movie hits its stride. Um, yeah, we won't give because it's also though, that's like, that's where... classic SpongeBob to me. Yeah. like just really weird crap. <laughs> you know? Keanu Reeves, you know, although they are kind of like mixing in kind of something I think was like later SpongeBob where there were way more celebrity cameos. That yeah. was that's definitely a newer thing with the show, isn't it? I think so, but I don't know because David Hasselhoff's in that first movie. Yeah. So it's yeah, I think that's always... the beginning of that kind of stuff though, because I, yeah. the show at that point hadn't had Johnny Depp or David Bowie. I was gonna say, or... yeah. That, I remember the Johnny Depp thing being a really big deal when it premiered. I don't even know if I saw the episode, but I remember the ads for it where they're like, We got Johnny Depp. Right. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. You know that reference, you're a kid. Uh stuff like that. So Whereas yeah. before, yeah, I think David Hasselhoff before that with like the show, I don't think the show really had a ton of cameos, if I recall. Yeah, the most is ever it's like the guy in the gorilla suit from the end of the episode where spongebob stays in home the whole time yeah i mean <laughs> there was like the whole pantera thing that was kind of big but i don't I don't think kids were really super familiar with metal band pantera before that episode speak um for yourself. But yeah yeah that's true i shouldn't speak for the other kids but um yeah um yeah well so what about you you know you you clearly kind of marathon in these movies so you have you probably have an even more condensed picture of these films i keep saying that even though matt's like i just rewatched it dude um yeah yeah well go ahead yeah i mean i'm not too far from where matt is i I agree that the animation is probably the most interesting thing about the film and i do like that um like you were saying matt that it has this sort of like 2d slash uh stop motion style that i think is better than they if they had just done a like 3d version of this that was just you know your traditional kind of 3d animation it has not exactly the same vibe as a Peanuts movie, but it kind of reminded me of like, okay, yeah, they actually put a lot of time and care into the design of this world. Definitely harkens yeah. to the Peanuts movie. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, just similar to like, like they, it wasn't like a hasty, like, okay, we're just going to make this 3D now. It's like they clearly put a lot of effort and thought into making the world of SpongeBob the same, but in a 3D environment. And I think that's the most uh, appealing thing about the film. But I agree that like, I don't think the timing of it is necessarily off or anything, but the the writing and the jokes just don't, really have the same spark like i said like i think those initial episodes they just are a lot quicker a lot smarter a lot more willing to just be weird and this is obviously trying to be weird in the second half but i just didn't really feel like it was spongebob outside of the story which like we said i think of the three movies this is probably closest in vain to a spongebob episode primarily because like matt was saying it has like your kind of traditional like gary's missing template which is pretty traditional for a spongebob episode or a few spongebob episodes and uh, i just feel similar to matt that like 
the middle of the movie is where I really was like connecting with it. If I, I really connected to much at all, because like that Atlantic city scene was the most like, okay, this is actually like what I would expect from a SpongeBob movie. This is, you know, SpongeBob and Patrick having fun being goofballs, um, just doing really absurd kind of random gags like that. That feels like what the movie should be, because obviously I think SpongeBob is obviously better when it focuses on the gag as opposed to the story. I do appreciate that the story here is sort of a means to an end, even though it is fairly derivative. But at the same time, like I was pretty bored for the first half of this. Like I just felt like it was like we said, just kind of like laying down familiar stakes. It, it was just kind of doing what we've seen before. It just kind of felt like a pache of the past two films, especially rewatching them fairly recently. And so I wasn't really with it for like the first like I want to say like 35, 40 minutes. And then I was kind of with it for like I want to say like. 25 minutes or so until it became an advertisement in film form for that new spinoff uh muppet babies flintstone kids show that they're doing where um (laughs) they incorporate i mean i hope that's not too much of a spoiler but they they incorporate all these like weird flashbacks that are clearly trying to sell their show that's also i believe on paramount plus i don't consider that a spoiler because that's the thing it has so little to do with the plot it's like, what are you spoiling? <laughs> you know, like all right. it's really doing is it's just shoehorning in this retcon that, right. uh, no, actually, you know, SpongeBob didn't meet Sandy in the Treehouse Dome episode of the first episode of the show. He hit the tree. No, no, he met her in summer camp, which okay. Well, I, I, I have to say, and this is, I, I do have to defend them a little bit because they actually did put some thought into this. Um, they're in, in one of the episodes of the new series, they explain that being a retcon and it involves Sandy and time travel for those that wow. are interested. <laughs> That's well, you know what? I'm glad, I'm glad that is a thing actually, because I, do, I think it speaks to the sort of business side of these creative changes, which is that they're clearly trying to reset the show. Uh, retconning kind of like they do with comic books. It sounds like I thought they were just doing it with the movie, but it doesn't surprise me that they would do it with the show as well. And I think that they probably recognize at this point that the show will never really have that same sort of staying power with our generation. So it looks like they're really just trying to like reconfigure this whole series around the like next generation of people who are going to be obsessed with SpongeBob. Do, Do you guys, does that make sense? You think? I think I think Nickelodeon's playing to their audi- the audience for the show, and it's I think it's difficult for some of us older folks sometimes because you know SpongeBob's ours. We grew up with SpongeBob, but we have to remember that it is it is ultimately targeted at kids. And I'm a big proponent of it's for all ages, but you know what kids are into is what they have to sell, and kids are into a little bit more fast paced, a little more zany, uh, weird stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's well, like the Teen Titans Go thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good comparison. I mean, for where I stand, I feel like I don't oppose the the show existing or this like you know like pre uh, SpongeBob lore show that they're gonna do. Like, I, I think that's fine. They can do that. Whatever. What I find annoying is when they stop the movie we're doing right now to advertise that yeah. show. That just feels like okay, I'm not watching a movie anymore. I'm watching a commercial that you put together in the middle of a movie during the climax, no less. And that to me is annoying. It's like, you know, you can have the show, whatever. I don't care. But if you're going to do that in the juxtaposition or in the context of film, in the midst of this big action thing, then that gets annoying. Cause it's like, you're taking me out of it. You're just selling a different product now. And I don't care about this. Exactly. I, I, I agree completely just because I did watch the show afterwards. It worked. I watched camp coral after I watched this movie, because I was curious, I was like, the thing I was curious about was, are they really going to use these voice actors? Because in the Camp Coral flashbacks, it's not Tom Kenny. It's like, you know, it's, it's like little kids and stuff doing the voices. And I was yeah. like, that's weird. So then if you actually watch Camp Coral, the show, first of all, it's spelled differently. Uh, so Camp Coral in the show is like with a K for both words. In the movie, it's C. And then also Tom Kenny, Bill Fagerback, like all the normal like main stars of SpongeBob are just doing their voices, but as kids. So it, it's weird. So the, there actually is an explanation for that too. Um, oh, here we go. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but the TV show takes place a year or two after the flashbacks in this movie. And the reason that the, 
name of the camp is different as I guess. And I haven't watched the TV show yet myself, but um, I believe Mr. Krabs owns the camp in the TV show, which he doesn't in the movie. And so when he buys it, he changes it to Camp Coral with a K. And uh, subsequently, that changes the voices of the children. No, they're a little right? bit older. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, the show is terrible. I mean, I could I couldn't oh. get through a single episode. It, it was worse than I could have even imagined. Uh, just no, nothing to it. And, and uh, Matt, you're probably right. It's just it's for a different generation, and I do not begrudge any of these choices. But yeah, Will, I think you're 100 percent correct that. It has no place on the, in this movie because I, up until all of that stuff, I actually thought there was really funny material here. I thought that there was a its lack of story was charming to me. You know, it was simple. It was like he just wants Gary back. That's all you really need. And I thought that like the meandering kind of buddy comedy riffing between him and Patrick from the, you know more reminiscent of the first movie. That's good enough on its own to like support a well-produced computer animated movie. I do want to bring up another thing, though, in terms of the animation, just because it's like we've said it so many times at this point, but it really is like the most interesting thing about this movie, I think. I think we are entering a really great era for computer animation because for years, it just felt like these studios outside of Disney and Pixar were like, we have to make computer animated films that look as detailed and photorealistic as Disney and Pixar movies, but they could never quite hit the bar because they just didn't have the resources, right? Or they would be like DreamWorks and they would be kind of going for a style that's a little too polished. I really love the movies like this and recent films from other studios, including Warner Animation, where they're just, they're trying, in the Peanuts movie, where they're trying to like, find other ways, cheaper ways to make really interesting animation that just looks and feels different and matches the like actual style of the cartoon that they're doing. It reminds me of how hand-drawn animation went through the exact same sort of thing where they tried to like recreate hand-drawn of like the Disney era, but you know, TV shows and movies throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, they couldn't quite do it the same. So it was very distracting. But over time, we eventually got hand-drawn animated stuff that was just like beautiful in its own way. So I just wanted to bring that up because it, it was something that sucks out to me about this. I exciting. couldn't agree more. Yeah. Another one that you didn't mention is Spider-Verse too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just using stylized animation instead of just trying to make everything look realistic. It's a, it's a good outcome of the past 20 years. <laughs> Agreed. Is there anything else you two want to bring up before we maybe bring up stuff? Uh, it sounds like Matt wanted to bring up a thing or two about stuff toward the end of the movie. Maybe we can do that, but is there anything you all, you guys got to get off your chest first? Well, I mean, Matt and I were talking about this. I don't know if you want to discuss this still, Matt, about the uh, voice actors themselves, at least Tom Kenny and then uh, Bill, I forget how you pronounce his last name, the voice of Patrick. I say Fagerback, but I think. I think that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Jabber Walker. Um, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like we were saying before, I haven't really kept up with SpongeBob uh, recently. Like, I haven't kept up in the recent years, but this is the first time I've noticed, at least with SpongeBob, with Tom Kenny, that his voice is starting to change. Like, it's just, it's not like totally distracting. It didn't take me out of the movie or anything, but it definitely felt like he was straining his voice here in a way that wasn't apparent, even just rewatching the first two movies. That, I don't know, it just, that, that gave it kind of a, a sad quality to me that was obviously not intentional. And, and I believe, Matt, you had a kind of similar quality when uh, or experience when you were watching or rewatching the film. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's just noticeable that Tom Kenny is 20 years older now than he was when he was first voice in SpongeBob. I don't think there's much more to it, but besides that, it is a little bit noticeable if you're listening for it. Yeah. And that's not to say like his performance is bad or that. No, it, it, certainly yeah. not. It's just that, like, I don't know, it's just the first time I was just like, oh, yeah, Tom Kenny, he's getting older. He may not be able to do this part much longer, especially because, you know, it probably does a lot on his voice to do it for two decades now, you know, especially such a high pitch character. And, and I have to assume by now he's like in his late 50s or early 60s. Yeah, he's so. he's 58. And, you know, he he's been doing this for a long time. He doesn't just do SpongeBob. You know, we were just talking about uh, how he was the mayor in Powerpuff Girls, you know, uh, and like, yeah, he, he's been straining his voice in a lot of ways for a while. So, yeah, it's not it sounds to me the thing I noticed was not the wear and tear or the wariness of his voice, perhaps. But it sounded to me like they auto tuned him quite a bit in this, maybe to compensate for that. But I don't know if that's just me. Like uh, Eric Cartman kind of thing. Um, I, don't, I don't understand that reference. Sorry. I mean, I, I know South Park, obviously, but yeah, I mean, they I just they. 
No, they just modulate the voice because they're obviously, you know, older guys in the, to play children. Uh, they kind of I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. They have to modulate the voice, especially nowadays, to play the children. And, you know, obviously, like, SpongeBob's supposed to be, like, whatever, like, an 18, 19-year-old teenager and, and having a Is 50, he? almost 60-year-old. I don't know. No, he, they don't have I think ages. <laughs> I think he's, I think he is, he, he, I imagine him in his late 20s. It's one of those things that has no right answer, but. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Matt and I were talking about this as well. When they introduced the Camp Coral thing and they established that, I guess, Squidward is only, like, is either the same age or maybe, like, a year older than SpongeBob and Sandy and Patrick. I was just like, right. I always thought he was, like, five, maybe ten years older than the SpongeBob oh, no. and Patrick group. But it's like, nope, they're about the same age, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe I thought wrong. Yeah, I've I've always considered Squidward to be, like, the same, like, you know, that kid, the older kid in the high school who, you know, he's, he claims to hate the underclassmen. He's always around, but really he loves them. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I always just saw him as like early thirties, kind of like jaded, uh, you know, veering closer towards middle age. And he's not fulfilling his dreams kind of guy. And he's still working as a, uh, at a fry f- fast food kind of place. So that's, that's my vision of Squidward. Maybe it's a little bit more depressing <laughs> than other kids. Uh, but that was just my headcanon for Squidward apparently. I think that's actually pretty close to accurate, though. It's just a matter of like, the, are SpongeBob and Patrick necessarily younger than him, or a lot younger, or is it more of like the show is a Rorschach test for like you watching it? Because I know people who are like, oh, I relate more to Squidward now than I did when I originally watched the show. Which, yeah, of course, that makes a lot of sense. So for me, maybe the answer to the question is SpongeBob is the age of the millennial who's watching it right now, and so one day when we're fifty, sixty years old we'll be watching Spongebob and being like, oh yeah, they're, they're in their 40s. There you go. So we'll start then with you, Will, since it sounds like you're probably the most negative. So we'll, you know, if you want to get into your final thoughts and what's your grade for Sponge on the Run? Am I the most negative? I guess. I, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's not even that I think it's bad. I just think it's like, you know, kind of similar to last movie. It's just fairly mediocre in a way that, you know, I don't, I don't feel like mad about it. I just feel like, you know, there are a couple of good jokes here, a couple of inspired gags. I like the animation, like we were mentioning. I, I do think the middle section is where the movie most comes alive. I just find myself not really engaged with the first half of it. Like you said, I think in theory, this is what I'd want an ideal SpongeBob movie to be. And that's more, you know, relaxed, just kind of loosey goosey with its pacing, you know, hearkening back to like the show's kind of like free for all style, um, you know, and, and having like a loose plot that favors the jokes. I think in theory, this is closer to like what I would want a SpongeBob movie to be. But I just don't think the writing really supports it. I think it's a, you know, just fairly mediocre production from a screenplay standpoint. I think the voice actors do fine with what material they're given. I think the animation is definitely where it gets the most unique in terms of its approach. But by and large, like we were saying, it's a fairly derivative SpongeBob movie. It just kind of does the same stuff that the last two movies did. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. But in a way, it doesn't really make it stand out. And it also, you know, it just kind of feels like a product that is being used to sell Paramount+. Plus. I know it wasn't the intent of it. But now that we have the SpongeBob show, it's supposed to be connecting to this movie and they stopped the movie to advertise that show. It just it feels like a more capitalistic endeavor in a way that, you know, that that doesn't really make me feel nostalgic for SpongeBob brand. It just feels like, hey, it's it's further removing itself from what you knew the show to be. And, you know, like I said, it's for children, so I'm not mad about that or anything, but it doesn't really make me feel connected to this new film or this new approach in a particularly meaningful way. And I'll probably forget about this one similar to I did. to the second movie, not long after I watched it. So I'd give it like a, like C it's fine for what it is, but in the end, I just found it to be a lukewarm affair. Yeah. We're really, really close to the same opinion on this. You know, I, I think that what stood out so much about Steven Hillenberg's original vision for the show and the first movie was how individualistic it was. It felt like a show that had no embarrassment to it. It could really just be its own thing. It had a very unique spirit. It's comedy. It was consistently funny because it consistently took chances. So I guess that's why for me, I get a little bit annoyed where like the next generation of SpongeBob content just doesn't really have that. I mean, it just feels like it's writing the coattails of what came before and it's lost that spirit of innovation 
that the show had. I guess it's a weird thing to say about the show, it being innovative, because it wasn't, I don't even know if it was innovation. It really was just sort of like a show that was like, here's what I am. It's like SpongeBob himself is just super content and happy and infectiously giddy about itself. I mean, like you were saying before, it is obviously very inspired by like Ren and Stippy and, and cartoons from the 80s and 90s that came before yeah. it. But the style of it, it just felt so fresh and unique for our generation that it's you know, lightning it did, in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and, and I think it is unique and fresh and then obviously very influential for that reason. But yeah, there is definitely, you know, influences of it that can be traced back to other animations from Nickelodeon nonetheless. Right. And I think that's why it stood the test of time, the original show. And I think that this movie, it has little sprinkles of that here and there. There's little bubbles, pockets of air in this that are and as engaging as the original show. Because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of the same people are still working on it. They're still funny people. But, yeah, it's clearly lost something. And like you said, well, I can't be mad at it. It's for kids. And kids are going to like it fine, but I just don't think it has that same quality. I don't think it has to do with age. I, I really think that there is a level of quality, a level of individuality and personality that was more akin to the original series that just, it's just not here anymore. And it's just, it's a little, it's a bit of a bummer. They're trying to, and it's, you know, it's, it's not for lack of effort. I think they're trying really hard. It's just, it's a really hard thing to do. And they of course shoot themselves in the foot a lot with how they handle this, like, you know, <laughs> taking advantage of the opportunity to market it with the, all this Paramount Plus stuff clearly wasn't the original intention, but they see it as a way to sort of, you know, I think, I think how many critics have said this, but like ring this thing dry and I'll, I'll be, I'll say it. I'll say the obvious thing. So yeah, I'm, you know, I was kind of between C and C plus. I was, and I think I was leaning on this conversation of like, where am I going to land? Ultimately, I'm still going to go for the really, really low C plus six out of 10 was what I gave it for cultured vultures. And I, I stand by it. I think that it, it's got enough of the original SpongeBob in here that it's not a total waste of your time. And that there, there's stuff, there's fun, nautical nonsense to be had in sponge on the run. But um, what about you, Matt Serafini? Bring us home. Uh, all right. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't disagree with anything that you guys said. I, I think you're you're pretty spot on. Um, it's 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 lackluster SpongeBob, and I think that you know you you, you it, it is. You, 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 sorry, I'm going to start this thought over again. <laughs> You mentioned uh, how it's not just being older, that it's like a quality deficit. And I, I think that it's obvious because when you watch the older stuff, it like sincerely holds up um, well. And this just won't, I don't think. Uh, but this movie is eye candy and it looks really nice. Um, I know, John, you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, substances enhancing SpongeBob. And I think this is a good... Uh, option for that. And I think that's going to probably be the best way that it lives on. But I was I talking do... about grandma's cookies. If people think right. it's too big. <laughs> yeah. um, Candy, cigarettes and, uh, you know, licorice yeah. and all, all those, those types of substances. Candy, Not 2% substances. Milk. <laughs> Whole milk. Whole milk. Ooh, a, a crazy man, I see. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think this movie has a heart. Um Ultimately, I can't be too down on any movie that features a part where Squidward says about SpongeBob, he doesn't deserve to die. <laughs> like, I think that's an incredible line of dialogue. Yeah. P people people were saying with WandaVision, you know, that that grief persevering <laughs> thing. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I do want to mention that I did text Matt when I was watching the movie. I was like, I'm really glad they didn't publicly behead uh, SpongeBob at this paid <laughs> event. <laughs> Which is, you know, just kind of sums up what how weird the the clear act of this movie is in that sense. It's but sorry, absurd. go ahead, Matt. Yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, I I don't know. I, th this movie, I I can't hate a movie that has a big musical number at the end. Um, so I'm gonna go the warmest of the three of us. Uh, but it's it's gonna be a B minus. Uh, mainly, I, I I would say I would be a C or a C plus, but the really stellar animation. As you know, you and me, I'm an animation guy. That's going to earn it that extra, those extra points to get up to a B minus. So that's where I'm at. All right. I think it's kind of crazy to you how we went through this whole thing. We didn't even mention Aquafina. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so yeah, Aquafina voices like a robot that's just kind of like a 
a one trick gag kind of thing, one trick gag character. But it's so fascinating. It speaks to the, as we can finish it out on this, but it is fascinating to me that this movie, which was supposed to come out a long time ago, um, even before 2020, and it was going to be, they wanted it to be a big family movie hit. And the fact that it came out the same week as Ryan the Last Dragon, this big, you know, Disney animated film, which by the way, lost to Tom and Jerry, another sort of like somewhat animated film mixed with live action. It, it's just what a time to be alive, I guess. You know, like what, where yeah. are we right now in the timeline <laughs> that the big no SpongeBob rules. movie? <laughs> yeah, it's like same week as Ryan the Last Dragon. Both of them are launching almost exclusively on streaming services, both delayed by quite a while. Yeah, it's losing to Tom and Jerry. Like what's going on, guys? Yeah, I mean, that was a weird thing when we were discussing like what we were going to talk about next week or last week, I mean, and we were just like, we kept going like, oh, yeah, we the SpongeBob movie, we got to talk about that. Like in other weeks, like it wouldn't even be a question. It's just like, right. yeah, SpongeBob movie. That's the biggest movie of the week, unquestionably. This week is just like, oh, yeah, that third or fourth movie we have to cover SpongeBob. <laughs> it came out yeah, on a Thursday, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Coming to America, you know, like sequel to one of the biggest comedy hits of the 80s, you know. Uh, unceremoniously haha released on a thursday yeah it's just it's a very bizarre time to be into films but hopefully this conversation has prepared you or given you some sort of closure on this movie if you saw it already matt thank you so much for coming on to the show to you know hang out with us under the sea oh it's always a pleasure thanks for having me is there any way if somebody's been listening to this show and they're like you know what this matt serafini guy he's got some takes he's got there's something to him and they, maybe they want to read other things or they want to read things you've written down. They want to hear your voice again. What are, what are all the uh, ways I can track it oh, down? Well, that's not, a good question. Not as a stalker, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, well, as you mentioned at the top, uh, I am Will's co-host on uh, It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre. Uh, so you can hear me over there talk about this year, the Master of Disguise. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Matt Serafini. Um, and I post a lot of Muppet Show clips there, uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's well, it's it's a good time. <laughs> don't uh, don't forget your Instagram too. You post a lot of your oh yeah. And I have and a stuff. I have an art Instagram which is Mart dot <laughs> Oh, I don't think I <laughs> follow you, you on Instagram. What the I, I I really should post on there more, but I that's that's my art Instagram. So yeah, that's maybe I'll try to. We're doing this I'm in real time. Looked at Mart M A R T. Yeah, Mark. Dot. I found you. Okay. That's you, all yeah. right. Did you there animate that photo of yourself? Yeah, yeah. It's all. Wow. That's all. <laughs> he's a. You know, he's he's a good artist, man. I'm, I'm not saying well, that just because he's my friend. Like he's genuinely. Well, I knew that. You know, I did yeah. know that because of the innate ogre like stuff. Yeah, the that posters. You put together. Yeah, yeah. Which have been like, amazing. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are gonna give me a big head. Stop it. It's, but, but... it's a bummer that like <laughs> I. You know, before I'd be like, "Will, that's really good." Definitely don't tell Matt I said that. But now he knows. <laughs> Sorry, Will. That's Will specifically good. requested. Don't tell him. Don't tell. Don't tell me. Don't compliment me. Um, but yeah, right. that, those, those are probably the best places to find me. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.